So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Mmm. Mmm. That's a good beer. Hellbent fourth anniversary IPA. Pretty Delicious. Nice. I didn't see. Is it the fourth anniversary of the brewing company? I think it's the fourth anniversary of their IPA because mm. yeah they well geez they did open when I moved in here. I don't know. Well, we can dig into you. How long have you lived here? That's a good question. Six ah. years, four years, somewhere in there. And it was already here. No, it, it was being built oh, when I moved in. Interesting. Um, or I, probably in the fall after I moved in. Okay. Okay. So a little Hellbent Brewing History Company right here. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, good stuff. Uh, we have two movies that are on my top list um, now. I don't know about you. Where are you at? Ad Astra, I believe, was on my top ten. If not, How about now? it might as well be. I. I would think it still is. Um, it's definitely high up there. Um, what about Ford v. Ferrari? I think we'll see after we have okay. our first impression. No, uh, Domino's now out. I still haven't seen it. That's the only one that's come out from my top ten. I'm mm. slotting for Ford v. Ferrari into that. There you go. So, it's filling in the gaps. Yeah, This is, this is going to make or break for me. This is a big first impression. Big moment. What are we watching first? Let's do Ad Astra first. It's crazy out there. There's fires everywhere and plane crashes. They're calling it a surge. Major, we have some highly classified information. What can you tell us about the Lima project? Its objective was to search for advanced extraterrestrial life. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And the commander was? He was my father, sir. This might come as quite a shock to you. Your father was experimenting with a highly classified material that could threaten our entire solar system. All right. We just watched the trailer for the much-anticipated Ad Astra, directed by James Gray. Oh, Thoughts? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Pretty pumped? Yes, sir. Just cements its place on the list of, of most anticipated? Absolutely. Yep. No yeah, concerns. It's uh, no concerns at all. Nope. Yeah. This is, I'm riding high off of A Remembrance of Earth's Past, which is a science fiction trilogy that I just completed, and this is right up my uh, subconscious alley at the moment. I would like to watch some complex uh, philosophy in space with that nice family dynamic. Yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones acting? Fuck yeah. Yeah. I uh, haven't seen Tommy Lee Jones in a little while, personally. Um, very intrigued by the cast. I didn't realize beforehand that Ruth Nega was in this. Um, I don't think I've seen her since Loving. I loved Ruth Nega in Loving. Well, she's, um, uh, in a TV show called Preacher. Oh, okay. I don't um, know who's from, that. um, Rogan, uh, Seth Rogan and his collaborator. Jeez, I can't remember his name right now, but, uh, they collaborate on everything mm. together. Goldberg? Um, yeah, Evan okay. Goldberg. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's Got it. what she's doing. Yeah. She's um, 36 episodes. 
I think. She, okay, she stayed busy. Um, Brad Pitt clearly having a big year between this and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I've never like just wholeheartedly adored Brad Pitt, but I am just very intrigued by who's your uh, favorite modern movie star? Modern movie star? Yeah, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Interesting. I wouldn't put exactly. him as a modern movie star, but I think you're right. He, um, he is like my favorite actor, but like I mean, mm. movie star, movie star. Mm. Like you know, DiCaprio, Pitt, um, mm. Cruz. Cruz would be up there, no doubt. Yeah. Um, There's not many that, more than that now. That I know, it's, dead, you know? it's it, the pool is is kind of small. It, it is in this modern day. Yeah. 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 Um, you're right. I, yeah, Gyllenhaal is almost gone a little smaller with with some of his. He, he's very roles. much like the best version of Robert Pattinson. Mm. Like he I, I he's the he's the Pattinson. he's the um, light timeline version of Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Now yeah. that you're watching Community. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Good connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm psyched. Um, I just have to think it'll be a little weirder than the trailer lets on. Like, I think it's a very commercially yes. promising trailer. Knowing, like, James Gray, I think we'll, we know that he might have something a little more, like, um, thoughtful. Uh, oh, yeah. I already have my suspicions based on the trailer of what exactly the import is of that composite material um, or atomic material that um, Tommy Lee Jones is experimenting with. And the fact that it could eliminate our solar system also has the potential to eliminate other solar systems and therefore make us viable in an intergalactic arms race, which keeps our solar system from being decimated, perhaps. Which is a bigger philosophical debate that I find very interesting currently. And very high stakes. Yes. So yeah, lots of promising stuff. Um, Liv Tyler, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Well, we shall see. Coming to the podcast in September. There you go. Next up, we have our first impression of Ford versus Ferrari. You're going to build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? 90 days. <laughs> this isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. All right. We just watched the trailer for Ford versus Ferrari. I would think that with James Mangold as director... Christian Bale as one of its stars. Those are two primary ingredients for a movie Taylor really likes. You're missing out on the main third ingredient. And that is? Tracy Letts. Mm. Great call. I do as Tracy Henry Letts. Ford II. And one of the greatest living screenwriters. There you go. And playwrights. Promising stuff. Very, very promising. What do you think? I'm pretty... Uh, pumped about it i mean if there was anything working against it for me it's just that like as it's subject biopic. matter biopic and also just cars in general like that's just not like the kind of material i ordinarily gravitate to but um you know with the right cast the right narrative it, it can still do a lot for me what about you i also could not give less of a shit about cars if they get me from point a to point b 
Yeah. Washing a car is almost like, why would you need to do that to me? Yeah. <laughs> like, we should not care about cars in mm. the superficial way that we do. The way that, like, about four years ago, everyone was buying the new iPhone. Like, mm. it seems like like that part of car culture, like, it's just never going to be who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so a movie about it is kind of always going to keep me at arm's length unless it does some other stuff. And it seems to me mm. like going to war against an institution with a high budget and like all all it made all the right noises for me to be interested um i want to see matt damon give a nuanced performance i want to see christian bale give a performance skinny um Mm. i want to see tracy letts be tracy letts um yeah it's just all things that i love plus james mangold so yeah it it could be top 10 I have a feeling it's going to be more in my top 15. I Ooh. feel it probably landing in 14, unless the end of the yep. year is really, really strong. Um, mm-hmm. But I I can't see it beating out some of the stuff I have between 1 and 5 right now. Mm. So it, And then it's going to get really stacked at the end of the year. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of thinking about these two back-to-back, plus The Irishman with, like, Robert De Niro... Um, I remember thinking last year that it was a particularly strong year for actresses, and mm-hmm. I was having a little bit of trouble towards the end of the year finding, like, a bunch of favorite male performances. I do think it's going to be a pretty strong year between, like, these these handful of movies. Like, these look like some pretty promising uh, lead male performances. Yes. Um, which is which is good. And what's interesting is I can't... I, I don't know that I could say that the same thing about female performances. Like, there might think? still be that that wildlife that we don't quite know about yet right. yep. with that great Carrie Mulligan performance. But like, I can't see something outdoing um, Michelle Williams performance as Gwen Verdon and Fosse. For that's them. number one. Like, I, yeah, that's just number one. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Even with, um, Sophia Boutella is probably like number three on that list, you know, great, and then Julianne Moore is probably number two in glory. Yeah. Bell. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for Little Women, but I think that will be very much an ensemble thing. Yes. Um, it, it'll, it'll be hard to, I would think, like... We might be able to grab a supporting actress from there. But, like, there yep. there is no yeah. The Favorite this year, where there's going to be three girls that we want to put into yep. our top not, spot. Yeah, not yeah. that I know of. Um, but, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Maybe Florence Pugh? Midsummer? Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah, I take yeah. it back. <laughs> Cross possible. my fingers for that. All right, let's uh, get into the features. Let's do it. Let's have a drink at Ma's. Can you buy some booze for my friends and I? Not interested. Please? Hail. Whoa, there's my girl. This never happened, okay? Thanks again for doing this, ma'am. You guys want to party like rock stars? Follow me. Let's get drunk! That's right. We're talking about the film Ma, directed by Tate Taylor, I believe. I think that's right. Starring Octavia Spencer... Uh, there are a few other faces I recognize here, but I couldn't tell you their names. Um, I almost think that it's like Luke Perry, maybe, mm. is the, yeah. uh, the father. And then... That sounds right. I think that there was a name that you specifically mentioned in your review of a person that you didn't like the portrayal of. Am I confusing you with someone else's review, or was that you? The, that might uh, be someone else. Okay. So someone was complaining about the depiction of, um, that blonde gal. Oh, that was me, actually. That was me, actually. Um, That was uh, the actress's Missy Pyle. I don't think it was the actress's fault, but, like, that was a detail that I maybe had questions about. Um, 
I didn't. Not so much. No. The, the the other just recognizable actress who caught my eye was Juliette Lewis. That's the main girl's mother. Right. Yes. I've seen her yeah. in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Juliette Lewis was in California with Brad Pitt, if I remember mm, correctly. I think I've, seen that. Uh, I've never seen it either. I just know that it's like a famous film that's for some reason it's got like maybe half of a cult following and it's mm. California spelled with a K. Mm. Um and then I, she's just been part of a lot of projects in that weird mm. point between like 98 to 2006. Yeah. Where Hollywood was just kind of doing some weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. She popped up. <laughs> Back when Troy realized. was profitable. Yes. <laughs> Many moons ago. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Back when Orlando Bloom was a film star. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so we were both pretty excited about this one. I think it's fair to say, right? We did it on first impressions. Maybe yes. not over the moon about it, but by we the were time intrigued. I got to the theater about it, I to see it, I was no longer. So, at what point did you decide that you were uh, not so optimistic? The Friday after it came out, and I opened Letterboxd, and I mm. saw the people that I respect and follow review it as poorly as they did. Right. I think not specifically Matt Singer. Mm. review cemented it as like a fuck not so good <laughs> yeah hopes were dashed early yeah i i can yeah. tell when matt uses certain keywords i'm gonna be in line with him and that was the case on this mm. one yeah yeah um i think we both landed on the same score but you gave it the heart which why don't you walk me through that yes my heart is for one person in particular i bet you can guess who that the, is Octavia Spencer. Titular character. That is who correct. the film does not even center around. Uh yeah, I think that's Which is why I say. think it's a trash film. Because that that main character has no business being our main character. I think I I think I Did you could recognize see that. her also? Because you just recently uh, saw Booksmart. I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two back to back. Um that young actress is Diana Silvers, who I understand is an Instagram star. That was how she Oh that makes sense came to prominence um the movie i thought a lot about during ma was carrie brian de palma's carrie as i thought more that's about that's very charitable right I, I i came to think about this movie as one in sort of the subgenre of the revenge of the bullied and mm-hmm. to me carrie is sort of the pinnacle of that genre and in carrie because i almost had the, the same thought not revenge that, of the nerds huh actually seen revenge of the nerds um but that movie also came to mind just how about, because of how the about name. revenge of the nerds 4 <laughs> also have not seen it none of the franchise okay big blind spot clearly okay. um but i was thinking about how in carrie um we do spend a lot of time or not a lot of time but we do spend a good amount of time with characters other than carrie we spend a lot of time with the uh bullies who we know are planning this sort of uh terrible prank on her um, so, you know, I think there are ways in which you can maybe sort of divide time between, um, the sort of primary, uh, character who is seeking the revenge and the other people who play a role in the story. Um, but I don't think that this one did a particularly good job of really showing me where that little girl who was subjected to such pretty like ridiculously cruel bullying where that really was in ma the older ma that we now see um you know there's just not really that transformation that's sort of implied but doesn't really play out on the so screen I would in any meaningful point way. back to what i started with mm. the screenplay's focal point is the problem 
Because mm. Ma is a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. The girl who's our main character, we have no business focusing on. Mm. Like, that's just a, who greenlit that version of the screenplay. Make It just mm. makes no sense to me. Like, why is this girl who just moved here the central focus of a narrative that is mm. all... To me, it should have been all about the fact that the focus is on Ma... And then the big reveal of, holy shit, she's holding her daughter prisoner in her own house and mm-hmm. kind of doing a the act situation. If you're familiar with that Hulu project, mm-hmm. the act, which There's is based one. on the uh, real life story of some people that I can't remember. But basically, um, the mother was making the daughter appear to be sick in order to mm-hmm. um, acquire um, benefits. Ah. And so forcing sickness on her you know that mother's milk narrative essentially mm-hmm. um and that like that's more interesting like show me ma's story show me ma going to work with uh shoot mm-hmm. uh allison janney like give me give mm-hmm. me more of that give me less of this school mm-hmm. thing give me more of this um back narrative of her being like someone in the back of the casino watching this unfold mm-hmm. in the diner watching this scenario unfold and like let me slowly mm. put these pieces together instead of focusing on mm. some shit that doesn't matter. It's probably like an 87 minute movie, but it's a lot better screenplay. Yeah. I would argue that it's, it just sounds like a different kind of screenplay. Like I think we have to try and like run with the decision it made to, to focus on this character and like figure out why that didn't work. Like, do you think there is a way in which this could have stuck with these well, it's the it's the like, atypical formula to choose mm-hmm. the the girl who just moved into the city, and we're gonna follow mm-hmm. her through her journey, right? That mm-hmm. was um, what's the movie we watched with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz? Uh, Greta. Greta. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. essential. Like, it's just mm-hmm. let's follow this girl and then have this character mm-hmm. who's the name of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And the bigger character that's more interesting be a side character. Mm. Mm. No. Let's let's make them the main character. Let's let's write the hard screenplays. Let's make hard screenplays. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I think that that's just a horror formula that isn't going away. And I think mm. that I want to see Bloomhouse, specifically as a mm. production company, make bigger leaps. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would watch that movie too, no doubt. The one that, that hues more closely to Ma. I think this screenplay would have worked fine for me. It would have positioned me um, along with these kids who are the ones really subject to the terror had it done a better job of really helping me understand um, how disturbed Ma was, which I think it does in a really kind of um, expository way, but not in a particularly emotional way. Um, And then made me would have made me much more um, fearful for these kids. As is, I feel like there's this kind of big disconnect between the um, young Ma, where um, all this need for revenge began, and who the character is that actually is the one carrying it out. Had I maybe gotten a better sense of, like, right after that prank happened, how truly sort of fucked that is. Um, Mm, Very fucked then I could then be brought up to speed and understand um, just how much trouble these kids are in because I understand 
how badly Ma wants to see these boys punished. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you said in your review that, um, you're mostly just happy, like, Octavia Spencer got this role. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree with you more there. Right, like, it's a bottom line, just film-wise. Mm-hmm. It's a proof-of-concept film, I think, mm-hmm. for <clears throat> Octavia and kind mm-hmm. of the industry in relation to Octavia. That if you spend $5 million on her in your first weekend with correct marketing, you will make back four times that investment. Which means mm-hmm. you will have made $15 million off of $5 million. That is a good investment. Invest more in her. Give her better screenplays. Give her more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... And give her this slot. Because next year, this slot is probably going to be just as dead as it was this year. Yeah. Release her after the, you know, three weeks after, four weeks after a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. The last big Disney superhero movie. You know, unless there's some significant competition. But we see that Aladdin isn't getting wide distribution. It's essentially one house per 50 miles, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you brought up Greta. And, you know, the idea of, like, really talented actresses like Isabelle Huppert or Octavia Spencer getting the opportunity to play roles that are just kind of uh, purely entertaining. Um, that's the thing. Huppert doesn't doesn't translate to american audiences that's true it's it's not a perfect spencer has a story with us she has the shape of water she has the help and then she has all those other things we've seen her in what uh what was it hidden figures we saw her in so so she we're familiar with her and Mm -hmm. we want to see her in a unique way yeah at this current time see her as a villain Yeah. yeah i think we just want to see her more than anything like no matter what like if it was a serious role that was dramatic um, and heartbreaking and she got to put on her best Michelle Williams, I think we would still be interested as audience members. Yeah. Now, maybe it wouldn't translate to that horror demographic, but it would probably still be able to pull in around 12. You know, mm-hmm. Manchester by the Sea numbers if you market it right. So I, yeah. I think that that this just speaks to our North American interest in Spencer as a performer. Yeah. And I, I'd like to see us double down on her and like give her these bigger roles and these juicier roles that have screenplays written for her that aren't shite. <laughs> yes. I, I would completely agree on that. So yeah, to come back to your original question, why did I give this two stars but also a heart? It is purely for her. Like, maybe less as a movie. It is just good as a source for gifts. There are many gifts I could use for, you know, various uh, gestures that Ma has here. Yes. Um, yes. Many great scenes and facial expressions. Um, I am just fine with watching her um, trying to relive the the glory days she never had. Uh, I mean, that's all funny stuff. I did feel like that was, it kind of had the right idea in mind to let us watch that. Um, don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and people it, were many people at your screening of Ma. No, the way that um, I worked it in was a morning. Um, I went to like one of the earliest show times that day, ah. so that I could go do a bunch of stuff in the middle, and then Got get it. back to uh, the Dark Phoenix that evening. Got it. So I hemmed my day in with two totally shit films. That's interesting. Um, but no, it was me, two other guys, and then two theater staff mm. that watched Quiet. it. So, okay. Well, no, no, it was definitely loud. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, a good the number... audience members I was with were very loud and enthusiastic, and that was probably the best part of the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that was the same case for me. The audience was very responsive to it. People were laughing. Um, I just wish that this had been like more disturbing in a way, considering what it is that it puts her through. And by the end, um, what it like, roots all this in the, um, the last 10 minutes first, the first, what is it? One thirty? Like it just doesn't feel even. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's because the main character we follow is not the main character of the film. Like it's, it's a weird thing where it's the film is about her Octavia Spencer, mm-hmm. but we don't follow her and it's not about her story during the film. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's just a screenplay flaw. Well, I would, I would counter that maybe with something like Unfriended, which I think is also sort of a Revenge of the Bullied type film. And good. Except it is good. So um, there's a major difference. Well, I, I think that is good in different ways, but we also don't really follow the supernatural bullied who is coming back from the dead. We are very much with the people who are experiencing it, right? Um, so oh, I think I would disagree that I there are ways... Um, I was thinking of the one where they're getting killed by external people on the dark web oh well i i was thinking of the first one in the franchise not the sequel sequel was unfriended dark web i think the first one was just called unfriended Mm -hmm. um where friends are in the group chat somebody joins the group chat um and it turned yeah and it it is the person who has been um bullied but we don't quite know you know the the mechanics of what exactly happened who was culpable for it I wasn't quite sure that that was actually true. I guess in the got first it, one, it. I I didn't quite buy into it. Definitely being supernatural, mm-hmm. so much as being a sleuth on the internet who is a murderer oh, who wants oh, to fuck with a group of people. Oh, that's scary. So that's pretty scary. <laughs> it's a good movie too. Yeah. Um, let's just yeah. I guess agree to hate this movie differently or dislike it differently. And uh, both be on board with Octavia Spencer. Yes. Yes. Proof of concept complete. Let's get a great movie next spring, please. Fingers crossed. Moving on. I have not got that much room. You've got a foot on that side. And I literally am on a ledge. (laughs) I've got nowhere (laughs) left to go. The souvenir. That's right. This is one of your favorite films of the year. It is. I think it is my favorite movie of the year. I think I have... uh, Over an Elephant. Yeah. I think I have, like, three to five other movies that I could be just fine with having in my number two spot. They're all kind of neck and neck. But I do think The Souvenir, directed by Joanna Hogg, is my favorite movie of the year. Um, So that tells you how I feel about it. Why? (laughs) Um... I thought it was uh, profoundly sensitive and deeply reflective. Reflective probably being the operative word. Um, it yeah, did. St- it certainly is that. Yeah, it, the, the movie itself itself did strike me as an act of reflection. This feels to me like the story of a relationship um, remembered, um, while the. Uh, Actors are doing a very good job of um, helping me feel like this relationship is playing out before my eyes for the first time. Yeah, it's um, Yeah, the uh, the texture and the structure of it um, 
implies to me that it's something being reflected on. Um, I, you know, I think I you have to kind of be open to the fact that, like, I knew going into this that this was, to some extent, uh, autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea. Hadn't heard that? I didn't know anything about the movie until after I watched the movie. Yeah, I, I can't... Like, I, I wanted to go in blind. Yeah. I didn't know... I didn't know, um, like, to what extent or, like, you know... Did you know about um, the sequel? No. Okay. But I... I'm very intrigued to see where this will go. Um, but uh, Probably wherever she went. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I saw Robert Pattinson is going to be their next um, main male lead. And I that think guy, that it's in, in the middle of filming right now, if I remember correctly. He's got an eye for some, for some decent <clears throat> projects. And I don't think that it's actually going to, but I believe it is projected as releasing this year, which would just be insane. Really? That's yeah, crazy. That would be insane. I'm sure that it'll pull a Serenity and not, but I believe it's the Souvenir Part Two. I believe is listed as a 2019 release. This was a question I had. Okay. So, in A.O. Scott's review for the New York Times, it was a favorable review. Um, critics pick. He ended it with, "This is one of the saddest movies you could imagine, and it's an absolute joy to watch." To what extent do you find it to be particularly sad? And to what extent did you find it a joy to watch? I think I disagree with him mm. because I have a different subjective experience than he does mm. as a viewer and as someone who enjoys characters. I tend to hate characters that don't exhibit agency or responsibility. That's just some things that I value in literature and film and life. I tend to like people that it, exhibit agency and don't like people that don't um just personally and so when i was watching her continue to manipulate her mother um mm. continue to uh make poor choices which start in the very beginning when her friends tell her task for rent and she doesn't and mm. we're exposed to how weak she is as a person how um infantile she is based on the support structure around her how little responsibility she takes for moving forward um, that she wouldn't have even left the relationship if it wasn't for him killing himself through an overdose. Mm. Um, yeah, you wonder where this relationship might have gone if he hadn't killed himself. Um, just just how really. long she might have subjected herself to it. Um, no, I, I just I was never on her side enough to wonder those things. Mm. And that's that's just where I differ from Scott. But subjectively, as the viewer, I thought that it was a beautifully framed, beautifully lit, and the subtext of every scene. Um, meaning the inanimate objects and the use of landscape and mm. the use of lighting in that landscape or reflection was absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's this opening or scene in the first third of the movie where they're having dinner um, in that area where the mirror is not yet shattered by mm. him punching the wall. Um, and the window is open on the left side mm. and he's sitting on the left side of the table. And so... And he's directly in front of the window. So he doesn't cast a reflection. Mm. And he just appears in this this kind of uh, square of darkness mm. in frame. And then she is reflected in the wall behind her, the mirror wall. She's also reflected in the window by the way that it's lit. And I thought that that was a genius way of telling us that she's stuck in this reflected mm. place 
that's uh, all about her, kind of, and and that he's in this well of darkness. Like it, it's just visual storytelling at at its pinnacle, mm. and it's just about people that I don't find sympathetic or agreeable to any point where I'm interested in them. I. At the end of my personal review, I wrote that if she exhibits agency in part two, it could be my favorite film of that year, if not a top ten movie for me. Because the filmmaking is incredible, and I hate the characters in this film. Mm. Besides Aoti and Tilda. Yeah, I did find myself wondering. I saw this at an AMC. You you did too, right? Same screening room, that shit screening room. I would think so. I did find myself wondering why, or not why, but like, if this might have done... um, even better just at art houses rather than in uh, a chain, just because I'm trying to imagine like how many moviegoers are really going to have the patience for how many people this character. Um, no walkouts, but I did hear quite a few like groans, heavy sighs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't remember how long it is, but it's it about sure, two hours. It sure sounded like to them it was taking forever. Dude, it did take forever. <laughs> it really did. And if I didn't appreciate her ability to direct as much, it mm. would have sucked to watch. Mm. But her ability to direct is just insane. And the mm. performances are wonderful. Yeah. I just hate the characters. Yeah. It's that yeah. simple. Except for Aoti, who is a genius and hilarious. Mm. And I wish that he had all the scenes, but he only had one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't experience hatred. Um, I definitely, I mean, I, I guess I was just too kind of fascinated by the character to, to feel something as strong as hate. I mean, I was very intrigued by well, how it's the light hate it's exhaustion. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've been exhausted for so long that I'm starting to feel like I hate it. Mm-hmm. It's not like I really like viscerally hate it. It's just like, yeah. oh my God, still, you're still going to be a child. You're still going to pretend that that's a bruise on his arm. We're still doing this? Mm-hmm. I hate that you're doing this. Like, you, you know, like you subjectively yeah. are hating the character's weaknesses. Not necessarily right. the film itself. But, like, right. they just keep making these choices where you're like, are you fucking kidding me? I know. I are, know. Are, are, <laughs> are we really doing this? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just the you difference. Be- you believe you were robbed. You believe that. That was bad. Or, that, we're or gonna, not bad, but uh, we're gonna frustrating. We're going to do that? Like, we're going we're gonna to pretend this is, re- like, you know, it's just frustrating. Like, imagine being her mother. Like, mm-hmm. good God, Tilda. You yeah, poor yeah. Woman. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, she's very apologetic. Like when the junkie shows up in her house, and she is trying to throw him out the whole time. She's saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." It's like, don't say you're sorry. Like, kick him the fuck out. Yeah, like clap him over the head with something. Come on. Um, it is uh frustrating, but I but again, like I was just so connected to how the film itself seemed to like be reflecting on how she was sort of in denial about these things how naive she was like i felt like the film was cognizant of all of that versus just sort of like putting me through it um the film was sort of like owning up like it feels like one i think the character's name is julie i think it felt like one of julie's memories she was owning up to this um Mm. and i think i do think that's interesting because we all certainly have our weaker selves in our pasts that did these mm. things that were stupid and childish that we had to experience and learn from. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that does have a huge immense value to 
other people um, or even to myself, just not at this moment. Mm-hmm. But it's just to watch this character for two hours <laughs> not exhibit any any level of growth at mm. all. The only reason the relationship ends is suicide. That's the only reason. He commits suicide through drug use. It's the yeah. only reason it ends. God, I just wanted to wring her neck. Like, you know, and that might just be like the uh, standard American way that that we watch films is like, by the end, we expect any exhibited character growth. Yeah, some kind of arc. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, I don't always need that. Like, particularly in some Asian cinema, I don't think that we necessarily always see growth. Um, but, mm. God, you just wanted it here. And it's yeah. almost mm. like like a paternal need. Like, I need to see you be mm. better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a little funny to to have thought to myself like I think this is my favorite uh, favorite movie of the year, and yet I kept thinking about like all the people I know and how much they would hate it. <laughs> like it's the one that's going to be a little hard to to recommend to well, people. Well, that's good though because it you, then you know it is your favorite, and yeah, there's a yeah, difference between like the best and your mm. favorite. Yeah, yeah, um, that yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, it's kind of like climax is my favorite. And it's like, how many people can I recommend this to? Well, none of my family members. So yeah, that's that's the one I think I I feel like I just to diverge very quickly. That I think that's at the top of my list of uh, revisits actually at this time of year um, to, oh, to to go back into a little more uh, defenses down with uh, or open minded to I guess. Yeah, but separate conversation. M- maybe watch that after the music video that just came out. That's right. More no way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The souvenir. Um, what do you think of Honor? Loved her. I thought she I was think, fantastic. I think she is a stunning performer. Cannot wait for her body of work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tilda as the mother. Perfect. The, the small smirk up and then flat and then smirk up and then flat and then smirk up flat mm. that she does with, with the sides of her lips near the end when she's coming down the stairs to explain the phone call about him being dead. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the little nuances that that I think master actors and actresses have. Mm-hmm. And that's why Tilda is, to me, one of the best and most transformative actresses that works today. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't really, like, put any thought yet um, until this movie came out about, like, real favorite supporting performances. But I think it's pretty huge here. Um, I mean, kind of relative, to, like, to the screen time, you just feel like she's just playing kind of a critical role in the in the texture of the movie. Um, yeah, I would agree. Mother-daughter duo. Pretty strong. Pretty strong. They know what's up. Yeah. Um, it, they know what they're doing. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I will be just, uh, cautious about who I recommend it to. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Climax. Just yeah. a little bit of a different group. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed that part two comes out this year and we can yeah. finish our ride. I understand it's only a two-parter, so. That's crazy. Hog we is, is a, Hog. definitely someone I need to dig more into because I'm very impressed by her uh, as Good a director. Stuff. There we go. All right. We're making a little bit of a transition now from our new releases for the week to a bit of a Bob Fosse mini marathon, if you will. The classics. That's right. This was prompted by your watching of 
the miniseries Fosse Verdon, mm-hmm. which you kind of liked. That fair to say? Episode one is tied with climax for my number one of the year. I think I'm oh. going to start having to Keith Ulick my list a little bit and have an right. episode of television and a film split for the same position. So episode one, that was the pinnacle of the season. That is absolutely the pen because it's all in reality and in the show downhill from there mm. i think we all know how bob's life ends and that i don't it's a hard, actually it's a hard well, ride toward it yeah well you know that yeah. he died before i i, I, I he do got that. to make I don't more know movies the details. Yeah. He, you just looked at his filmography you it's, know it's it small life yeah. yeah yeah um so we have two fosse movies that we're talking about this week we have lenny as well as cabaret um we're going to talk about lenny first ladies and gentlemen lenny bruce how do you people really feel about doing it (laughs) isn't that about the dirtiest thing we could do to each other i think last week you mentioned that you were not a huge dustin hoffman fan I'm not. Just generally speaking. I am still not a huge Dustin Hoffman fan. How did you feel about him in Lenny? I didn't. I I had moments where I was like, wow, Dustin Hoffman just made a great choice. Mm. Or holy shit, this is a six minute take. Fucking hell. What a great performance. Yeah. Um, And then it was like, God, Lenny's great. And then it's like, oh no, Lenny's Dustin Hoffman. So it's absolutely transformative, and I think that yeah. this is the pinnacle that I've personally seen of Hoffman, mm. but con- contemporarily, in the modern day, in this version of reality now, in 2019, I haven't seen films from him in the last five years, or when I was growing up, mm. that I think make him the movie star that the previous generations got to experience in films like Lenny. Mm. Like, I just don't think that he's that guy now. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think that he's kind of a reverse Sandler for me, where I think like oh. Adam Sandler was this thing in the nineties, and now Sandler might be something different. Like he's still making those movies for those audiences on Netflix with that production deal. Mm-hmm. But he's also in the Meyerowitz stories. He's mm-hmm. also gonna be in um Waiting for the Barbarians, right? Um, yeah, yeah. He's also in Punch Drunk Love. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that Sandler is doing a slow transition towards because he, he's such a, a deeply emotional comedian that he can give these really raw performances. Um, yeah. So I, I think that it, that I would compare Sandler to Hoffman in kind of a reversal of like, I think Hoffman yeah. started strong and I don't really like his work now. I think Sandler mm. started funny and still can do that and is very good at producing that. But I think that as an actor, I'm only interested in his serious performances. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's kind of like what age you are, you might have a different Dustin Hoffman in mind. Yes. Um, I think the first thing I ever probably saw Whereas him Redford, was I, parents. <laughs> I, I think Redford's just like straight for me. Oh yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah. Very stable. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of um, like give a medium of like between. what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That time. makes a lot of sense. Um, and I yeah. do like Hoffman and Meet the Parents. Great point. Like, I love Hoffman in those movies. He's hilarious. Yeah. 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 Much, yeah. yeah I was thinking more, more of the serious side. stuff yeah. for Hoffman. Yeah. Also, Meyerowitz stories. Yeah. That, that, which if you had just asked me, exhausted me 10 years ago, people, if someone's mentioned Dustin Hoffman, I would have been like, oh, yeah, meet the parents. And people would be like, what? what? 
You mean Meet the Fockers, right? Yeah. I, I think it was Meet the Fockers. You're right. He was Daddy Fucker. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Big um, Daddy F. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, I, I think I mostly uh, liked him um, pretty well here in, as the titular Lenny Bruce. Um, do they get into Lenny Bruce much in the show um, or into the production of this one at all? No. Um, what we do spend some time on in the show is I, I believe that the comment is made, I think, by Margaret Qualley, who plays Anne Rankling. Mm. Th- this is this isn't a story about Lenny body. It's a story mm. about you. Mm. Like it's a, it's an extremely autobiographical piece, I mm. think. Um, that show like the the womanizing that Lenny does is the mm. absolute same that the show depicts that Bob mm. does. Um, and kind of that that fuck you to pe- like it's a different fuck you. Lenny's fuck mm. you, I think, was a more sincere fuck you. Um, mm. Axiomatically built in ethics than right. I think Bob's is. But I think they both very much have like a systemic fuck you. I think Bob's is more to Hollywood and Lenny's was more to the American institution um, towards his belief in freedom of speech. Right. And freedom of uh, expressing reality through speech regardless of the verbs and nouns used to describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think the the back half of the movie when that's what we're really honing in on is his, you know, uh, belief to believe in saying whatever he Word choice, wants to say yeah it's pretty persuasive i mean i really never i mean i, I was just wholly convinced the whole time as dustin hoffman um Mouths, uh, essentially yeah yeah um particularly in some of the courtroom scenes i mean those are some some of the more like uh kind of oscary moments um but with uh, i don't know it was still a lot of kind of so grit you thought that was the oscary moments i think so just, I, I, I personally think the Oscar moment is a is a particular scene um, where he's fucked up mm-hmm. and he only has one shoe mm-hmm. and he walks out of the curtain oh, and he says yeah, yeah. he says his funniest line. I can't remember what it was, but it's like I'm the whatever you know, like I'm the clown is here, the jester is here or something. Mm-hmm. And he stumbles up on stage in his one shoe mm-hmm. and he does this very like cringe inducing speech narration oration um and it's all one take yeah and he spins and we see different parts of the diner every everyone every extra is doing their job perfectly the Mm -hmm. lighting is perfect the shadows are perfect the spotlight is well centered the the band is in perfect timing um, Dustin is rotating around. He sits with his back to the stage as he he thinks and stumbles and stutters through words. And eventually it ends and he walks back through the curtain um, after like pointing out that there's pigs on this side, pigs on this side. Yeah, and it's yeah. just a, that... I Maybe it wasn't back then, but now that is what, what would get you your Oscar. That's your Birdman mm, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that is it. Like that is... Yeah. Like that didn't even feel like it was all written down. Like it felt like like Dustin improved half of it. Yeah. Like it just. God, that is. Yeah, yeah. Th- that is, I think, what Fosse, um, as a filmmaker, 
does that that makes us remember him as a filmmaker yeah 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 that sense of sort of uh like exasperation really does sort of accrue over time as you know the cops keep showing up and and he's just so desperate to like get this point across he's like don't you see like what what we're stifling by doing this um like i i think that is it, it is pretty um uh compelling yeah um, yeah and um those long takes really work. Uh, I think particularly because of just kind of how fast the editing is, like just up until some of those. And then it kind of just comes to a halt for those long takes. And you're just with Lenny upstage um, or in the audience. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it. Um, well, what do you think about, I think it's earlier in the movie, but there's, there's this scene where he's like doing a routine. And then we cut away to the relationship to go to like mm-hmm. a nightclub to get loaded. Then they leave, they get in the car crash. Mm. and then the car crash cuts right back to the performance oh yeah yeah and it's like oh yeah that joke he just said in this car crash for like the same thing yeah and like that's just like wow like wow that that was a moment where i was just kind of like floored like filmmaking can sometimes do things that are just insane yeah yeah i mean the, the tone becomes kind of complicated um when you're you're uh oscillating so quickly between the comedy on stage and the horror of whatever might be going on off stage um or is most certainly going on yeah yeah uh yeah, <laughs> and in his life particularly yeah yeah um and then how the interviews this is sort of framed as if it were you know a documentary in the making or something like that mm-hmm. um can sort of sometimes reinforce the tragedy of it um, and then at other times sort of like, um, undercut the seriousness. Like that's what I kept almost kind of laughing at, which, you know, it, it, that's what's sort of complicated about it is like, I think honey is her name, right? Honey Bruce mm-hmm. was his wife's name or her nickname, at least, you know, she's talking about some, some awful things that happened, but you know, her dog's in her lap as she's talking about it. And he, Vossi's keeping her or the dog in the frame and she's, uh, you know, eating chips um, it's always kind She's maybe of maybe got a smile on her lips. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of undercutting the the the, the seriousness of it. Um, even while I feel it being very serious, it's like it's Fosse's recognizes that Lenny Bruce might not want this to be particularly pitying or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I, I think there's an interesting dichotomy that happens in this movie that I didn't actually realize until well after I'd finished it, like days after I'd finished it, like probably two days ago maybe yesterday um i'm staying up late so i don't know exactly what i'm realizing stuff but um i i realized that honey went to jail and lenny almost kept going to jail but never really went Mm. and she was reformed by the system and lenny Mm. never was Mm. and i i wonder exactly what fossey thought about that because mm. he he definitely does depict it and it's you, you know whatever honey's life is now it's still a life yeah. and lenny doesn't have one of those and and so it's i i just find myself wondering like what what does body think about that especially knowing how mm. personally how he came to die and having my own questions about if he thought it was worth it um mm. so well yeah i mean that's a good question um 
do you find it more sympathetic to one character over the other? Honey versus Lenny, or no? I think it's I think it's definitely even. Like, yeah. like I think that they each have their points, and that's that's yeah. I think the torturous part. Like, mm-hmm. God, would Lenny even be Lenny if Lenny had lived? Mm. That's the other thing. You know, you know, like sometimes people aren't people anymore after they live. Like mm. in Rocket Man last week, when I heard everybody shouting. That don't quit drugs you're gonna suck now you know like like it's it's kind of the same thing like if you do quit drugs and make your life better are you still gonna be lenny would you would you rather have been lenny or continue mm. to be a different remembered version of him yeah it's yeah. kind of the question and i i think that fossey was grappling with that yeah perhaps in this film yeah, yeah. The ending did feel kind of abrupt, not in a bad way. I just mean that as a, as, in a descriptive way, in a way that it does sort of like leave you wondering, like what his career would have gone out to have looked like. Right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's good. You know, you you want an ending that leads you to to reflect. I mean, uh, yeah. In contemporary culture, you know, we've got like what nine different versions of him now. Got yeah. Hoffman's version. We've got Mrs. Maisel's version. Yeah. We've got a quite a few other tv shows depicting him or or mentioning him in different ways like he he lives in spirit in so many different ways and was that more important to the one that we got to know than living yeah was was that message that he was conveying more important than actually being alive yeah 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 it is uh yeah it's a tough ending for sure um but i really like the movie i do too no doubt (laughs) Good Fosse. Meine Damen und Herren, Mesdames et Messieurs, Ladies und Chat, Fräulein Salibols! In case that wasn't clear, we're going to talk about Cabaret next. Oh, it's absolutely divine, darling. I take it you liked it. I do like this movie. I have... Maybe the most criticism of Fosse that I've exhibited, but I still like the picture. Mm. I just don't know that the timing in the middle lined up correctly. In the middle of the movie? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, like I, I don't quite know that those musical numbers worked or that they worked in the way that they were constructed, but I think that the opening and the ending absolutely accomplished the goal of um making the viewer feel things that are complex and have mm. more questions than answers. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm mostly on the same wavelength. There were things about it I loved. The numbers uh themselves being terrific. How about some of the camera work? Great. Right. And again, some of the editing that we kinda see in mm-hmm. Honey here, uh very effective. I think um He's got a very good sense of musicality to his yeah, entire filmmaking yeah. process yeah um yeah just a, a, a satisfying kind of rhythm to the cutting um mostly in the club is what kind of when i remember those you know quick cuts from face to face of patrons right um mm-hmm. which sometimes feels like like it's almost sort of playing up like their sort of monstrousness like um maybe that's it's just partly that you can't help but also be um, bringing in what you know is going on outside 
onto those faces. Um, but um, I don't know that I found some of that editing all that sympathetic of the patrons of the cabaret. Oh, no, I think um, the patrons are the ones who are being the most criticized. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the patrons are German. Yeah. And this is yeah. during the Nazi uprising. And right, so, right. Um, yeah, I think, once again, that dichotomy between the older faces that clearly are not liking the direction of the country and the younger faces, um, particularly that is that um, they go on that trip, right? Yeah. Where there's the um, the young men dressed in Nazi uniforms who we don't yeah. see their um, armband until like three quarters of the way through the song. And they're yeah. the, you know, the perfect um, German by Nazi standards. Yeah. Uh, blonde yeah. hair, right? I don't know if they had blue eyes, but I could definitely yeah. tell they had blonde hair. Yeah. Um, and they were singing about this new version of young Germany and how it's my Germany and, um, mm-hmm. you know, essentially the Hitler youth, you know, is, yeah. is what we're seeing yeah. on screen. And these old faces um, just looking like they're dis- looking in despise at, yeah. at this message. Um, I think communicated a very complex set of ideas that the whole film communicates about yeah. um, not just Nazis or Germany at this point in time, but about broader culture and how our bad ideas look. Yeah. 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 I think I found all that super compelling. And like, I think like the editing is so effective in sort of, um, making all that feel just so fraught um that especially even at that farm scene i think we're getting those cuts from faces to faces mm-hmm. as they're singing like you just you just summer know. in joy singing yeah. along and summer in despair it's just it's, in it's witness. disturbing um and then at the, you know at the same time we have this story of um sally liza minnelli's character um and I, I think i like that equally as much i just kept kind of like expecting or wanting um, those two sort of parallel things that we're tracking to come together in like a more, um, like purposeful way. What two things um, specifically? Well, I guess it's kind of like a foreground, foreground and background thing where I'm thinking about how Fosse's, you know, sort of bringing to our attention that the Nazis, Nazi party is coming to prominence in the background while he's primarily focused on this relationship between Sally and, brian and eventually this third character which i do i do like that part quite a bit um and And arguably the fourth character true yeah and that's probably where they they kind of touch the most is this other character yeah who wants to when this guy who's um, pretending to be a german embraces being a jew so he can get married to exactly his jewish fiance um and then brian has to or decides to leave and and so, like, the thing going on there the whole time, right, is that Sally's willing to do anything to become famous, right? Or, movie star. Or, like, to... Yeah. Yeah, to get the... This version of winning. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that that's what we're seeing in that in that Nazi um, thing. Like, like these, these kids mm-hmm. that are young have this bad idea. And I think that Liza mm-hmm. Minnelli might have this bad idea that she's willing to do anything for it. Hustle anything for it. It's not that being a movie star is a bad idea, but it's the way that she's thinking about it that might be the bad Mm. idea. Like, what she's willing Mm. to do for it that might be bad. And then Mm. Brian kind of loses himself in that. And Mm. then that other character, was it Martin? That sounds right. Yeah. Um, We'll call him Martin. 
I think that is right. Right, right. Like he becomes entangled with both of them. Mm. And then he he abandons that German identity that's kind of twisting itself into this weird menagerie of fuck fuck upness. Very much so. Yeah. Back to being um you know, what is a very heteronormative narrative of good, mm-hmm. but still he embraces his true self and abandons these these um more sinful ideas mm. in in this screenplay with these characters yeah and i think that that un enmeshing with those two is what kind of comes to free up brian mm. and allows him to go back because in germany under nazi rule he would also be killed yeah for being gay so yeah. then there's that other thing where it's like well the only person who can stay in germany is this con artist who wants to be a movie mm-hmm. star not because she appreciates the art or because she means what she says when she mm. says it about who her favorite film star is, but because she just wants the attention and the wealth. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, okay, so the attention and the wealth are the bad idea that this young girl has. What do these German youths have? What's their bad idea? Mm. Wealth, power. Okay. So that's where I get the mapping at where, yeah. where he's making the same point of like, there's, there's a bad idea that the youth can have about mm. acquiring power yeah I, I i think i see what you're getting i mean i'm nervous about like not, not nervous but i don't i don't know i mean th- they just it's seem not, like a it's strong... not as clean as i'm saying it yeah but i'm um, saying it as well as i can say it in this moment yeah yeah um it's maybe that like i i feel the narrative being in part about sally as this very sort of vivacious carefree um dancer irresponsible yeah yeah um hustler playing the role of sort of um enabling this more uptight squarish guy to sort of find himself and and loosen up in a way um you know you think about that scene underneath the train right where she's saying she helps him or is saying you know you gotta scream when the train comes by she almost like startles herself by how loud she screams and he does it um uh it's so like i like that stuff and i think it comes a little close to like that manic pixie dream girl cliche in a way but i think it does kind of narrowly avoid it because she is so grounded she's because she's just so good um and the relationship is sort of unconventional enough that it just still feels unique um so maybe it's just that i was like kind of honing in on the nature of that um, so, relationship l- let me uh, bear in on that so you think she helped brian find himself that's well that's kind of uh, i should I, clarify I, I i think i maybe suspected that's what this movie was about i don't know that in hindsight i have i've actually that was actually a right reading or not I, but that's I, maybe why i was struggling i think my I hunch in on is that. that she also helped him mm-hmm. but in a different way and not so much help as perhaps something that he needed at the time but isn't actually good for him, which was to lose himself. Mm. I got the general yeah. sense that he lost himself in her orbit, if you will. Mm. Like yeah. He's like, I don't sleep with girls. I've done it three times. It was a disaster every time. I don't yeah. like girls. And then he starts to and everything goes to shit. We see him drinking continuously to be around her and around yeah. Martin. Like it just, And then he started to lighten mm. up when he began to feel the romantic intrigue of martin mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah so to me it was like she made him lose himself 
Mm. Um, and then it was kind you of... You think she was like a negative influence on you? Or a necessary negative, perhaps, mm. is, is another way of reading that, right? Like, that's another part of it, is sometimes... I, I think all youth have to go through different versions of negativity and come out the other side. And yeah. so I think that, that that's that interesting part that Liza's um, correlation to this Nazi party in the background has is sometimes we have to go through these things to actually have experienced them so mm. that we actually are doing what we're doing for a reason. Mm. Because if we don't do what we do for a reason, then eventually someone's not going to understand why you do it that way, and then they're going to make a really mm. bad mistake. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like a I kid learning what's hot, and you say, never touch the curling iron, touch this thing that's hot, and they're like, ow! Yeah. And then you yeah. go, the curling iron's way worse, don't touch it. And then yeah. they maybe don't. You, you, it's something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 think I, I think I see it. I guess if if that was, if Manelli's character was in some way supposed to represent, like, what people should be paying attention to or experiencing so they don't um, uh, overlook its, like, dangerousness, like, I wish that she had maybe then been, like, more dangerous or kind of malicious like i mean i found her so like sort of um charming effervescent yeah Yeah. um um i mean and that's because she is so playful and yeah um perhaps aloof of her own negativity Mm. and for some reason that's what works for me whereas honor swinton did not seem Mm. that like like she seemed too smart to be that dumb (laughs) yeah yeah um Anything related to the show that uh, really informed the viewing? Or um, did they uh, dig into this one much? Um, the gorilla suit was a particular <clears throat> like moment in the show where um, Gwen went to go get it and what happened while she was gone comes a little bit interesting. Um, also, just how every time it doesn't show that Gwen has anything to do with the choreography in the title credits of these movies. Mm. Um, and then you know that she did. Mm. That kind of informs, like, just the... Uh, I, I don't mean to give the wrong impression, but Michelle Williams does go quite big in her depiction of Gwen. But it seeing how little credit she gets on these pictures shows, like, how right she was to feel the way that she was feeling mm. that whole time. Mm. And, like... Yeah, it's the, it was, the the show deserves its own separate um, thing, but it definitely yeah. does inform an understanding of each of these films as far as yeah. what was going on in their relationship behind the mm-hmm. scenes and their relationship with their daughter at that time, um, whether or not Gwen's sister had died yet, whether or not Bob's best friend had died yet, those types of things. Uh, you mean like like was he like uh, hesitant to to give credit to her? Is that, is that what you're well, saying? Well, he never he always needed her help. And then she never gets any credit. Got it, got it, yeah. But he's always asking for her help as a collaborator, yeah. as a as as his equal. And then all the women that he's having these affairs with, he never treats as equals. Yeah, so if you look on like IMDb or even in the credit sequences, will you see her name or no? I didn't even look I for it. I didn't see yeah, her okay. name. So sometimes she's just literally yeah. left off. Yeah. yeah. Got it. But then in the show, you see like she's the one that comes up with this trick for this or she's the one that uh that makes sure that like um the those chair scenes work with liza 
Uh, oh, you know, yeah. When doing the bike thing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, she's yeah. just crucial to some of this stuff. I mean, those are really the highlights for me, are some of the numbers. Um, uh, so you, you had a problem with the MC. Oh, no, 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 no. I meant that only in a... Uh, Cheeky way? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I mean, I... I, I thought uh, that he was the the underline to the to the punctuation mark yeah i i would com- I, I completely agree um i, I found Money. him I, I found him a little creepy that's all i meant by that is that i would be a little nervous to get too close to him yes. in that cabaret but i think that actor is um awesome yeah um i, I could and i think the, name, the but... role was very very good too oh yeah like just yeah. The, the way that it was written how it was edited in yeah yeah i mean i do really like how that kind of pushes the narrative along um is that we cut back to these sequences and then they're each sort of associated with whatever else we're seeing outside of the club what do you think um, about the bookended mirror mm, um i i don't know i mean i guess i thought that with all this in the background about the nazi party's rise i, I guess i thought of this sort of being like an indictment of complacency and of hmm. um overlooking sort of the the danger that can be right in front of you so this the idea of this mirror being right in front of you to to say to to prompt you to look at yourself or look at um yeah whatever's being reflected right in front of you i guess is sort of the idea i was um tracking on what about you um if i remember correctly the the first mirror um eventually our mc comes into frame and but before that it's just kind of the audience and the audience has no definite depiction of being any type of a person just Mm. kind of just the german populace and mass no particular one way or the other like no nazi party no communist party none of that stuff right and then at the end we kind of get a fractured heart symbol um and there's a nazi in one side and then on the other side where there's that fracture there's a nazi who you can't see is a nazi and then there's a person Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a very interesting visual motif if it was on purpose to show that, like, these people might not really be Nazis so much as just have passively become them by sitting in the audience too mm-hmm. long. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they've been sort of just inundated, maybe. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that, that idea that our... our I want to say his name is Martin, but our, our third party to this emotional roller coaster along cabaret, right? He says that the um, the reason that they're that Nazis are fine is because it's going to get rid of communists and we'll yeah. get rid of the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that, there is something very sincere, I think, about maybe how truthful that could have been for some Germans at that point in time. That mm. they thought that communism was a bigger threat than One Nazism. problem will take care of another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that let's use um, nationalism to get rid of communism, and then we'll get rid yeah. of nationalism. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it does sort of sting when I think Brian says to Martin at that village or farm, you know, something like, you know, you, you still think you can it's, control them? Yeah. Um, like, that does seem to be, like, what the movie is saying. It's like... Folks, don't you think you, we ought to be a little more concerned here? Um, and that's why I think the mirror idea was sort of like, um, sort of holding it up to you, like as an audience, like uh, just 
look at yourself, make sure, you know, you are, um, you know, uh, actively aware of what's around you, um, mm-hmm. versus these people who are sort of, um, so distracted by the, uh, song and dance in front of them yeah. that they'll, um, follow whatever wave comes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird sort of blend of marvelousness, right? As, as, uh, Sally would say, and, and some pretty disturbing stuff, which I do think totally makes it pretty compelling. Yeah, it's, it's marvelously divine and then terror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I would, uh, I think I saw that, um, when I was realizing to myself that I really hadn't seen Liza Minnelli in anything, I realized that she was in, uh, Scorsese's musical, which I've never seen, New York, New York. I've never seen that Which made me very interested in now watching New York, New York. Yes. Um, because she is, uh, a ton of fun to watch. Yes, yes. Well, that seems like a natural ending point to this there we one. Go. We'll see you next week, folks, and we'll see you next week, Michael. Take care. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! That's what that means, right? Another one in the can.